most of you know that after um, my military experience and after college, actually while I was towards the end of my college, um, I started working for a, a secular company. Uh, it was a nationwide company and was in management with them. And one of the things that they required was when you ordered certain items of value uh, that the store manager had to be the one uh, to open those specific things as they came in. And one of those was jewelry. And so uh, our store had a, a jewelry counter and I had ordered some jewelry to come in uh, to replenish uh, the case. And so my warehouse manager received that box. He opened it, and when he opened it and saw uh, the box from UPS had jewelry in it, he brought it to my office for me to check it in uh, to make sure that everything was there because of the value of it. And so I, I pulled my knife out of my pocket, and I slit uh, the, the tape open uh, where there was this big sign on the front, jewelry, from our vendor. And I opened it, and there was a case inside that box, and I opened that box up, and there was a slip of paper inside that box, and it, all it had on it was just five-letter word, and it said, Empty. I thought, what? <laughs> Where's my jewelry? <laughs> what I expected was a, a, a pile of jewelry that I could check in and put in the case. But somebody either took my jewelry <laughs> or it was never there in the first place. But I looked at that and I thought, what in the world? That was not what I expected. An empty box with the word empty in it. I don't know about you, but I have wondered before as I think about Easter and especially Easter morning as you know, that, that first day of the week as there were those that were heading toward the tomb. Um, it was Sunday. Jesus had been in the tomb for three days, laid there by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And I wondered, don't, don't you think that maybe they expected for Jesus to be there? They did not expect an empty tomb. They did not expect to find that the, the, roll, the stone had been rolled away. Their expectations was that Jesus would be there. What's going on, they must have thought. But we know, right? I mean, 2,000 years later, we, we know what happened. We, God's given us his word, and he has told us that the tomb was empty, that Jesus had been raised from the dead. He was alive. He was alive. Even though Jesus' followers, the unexpected happened. The tomb was empty. In all of the Gospels, the Synoptic and John's Gospel records the resurrection account, of course. We, we would know and think that that would be one of the, uh, the accounts that was shared and that the Holy Spirit inspired. If you have your scriptures and would like to follow along, 
We're going to look at John's account this morning. I'm certainly going to refer to the other accounts as we go along, but you can read along with me. Uh, it's on the screen uh, as I read out loud. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two of them were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings laying there and did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings laying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. They said, and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned and turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a, gar a gardener, she said to him, Sir, have you carried him away? Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned, and she saw him. In Hebrew, said Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to the Father, to my Father, and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Please, Father, open our hearts and minds for what you would hold for us today through this, your holy word, on this great Sunday. Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Father. Pray this in your Son's name. Amen. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ? It is a movie that is moving. It tells the story of Jesus, and as you get to the end of this movie, uh, there are disturbing scenes. In fact, as the movie was made and as it was premiered, there were those that 
went against it being actually released because they said the things that were done to Jesus were just outrageous. These things could have never been really done. As you look at that scene of him being beaten and then carrying the cross, ultimately falling, having nails driven in his hands and his feet, it's hard to see. But there are those that believe, they really do believe that Jesus never died. He was not crucified. And those that believe that he was crucified, that don't believe he has died, there's all of these theories. There's the swoon theory. They believe that Jesus, by anxiety, fell into a coma, and they took his body down, and they put him into the tomb, and they closed the, the tomb with the stone. But he really wasn't dead. He was just in a coma, and he woke up. And he was able somehow to roll that stone away and get out. There's a lot of problems with that. Um, the stone is greater than the entrance to the tomb. I'm not sure how he grabbed the side of the stone and rolled it away as big as it was. And secondly, when you think of Jesus' body was prepared for burial. And if you remember, when they wrapped the body, the hands are down by their sides. And they wrap around and around and around and prepare the body for burial, and, and the head cloth is separate. And I'm just wondering how in the world, if Jesus was bound in those, those burial cloths, which he would have been, even if they had thought that he was in a coma, his hands are here. He couldn't even unwrap himself. Think about Lazarus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he told them, unbind him. He couldn't unbind himself. Unbind him. Let him go. Not sure how this theory works. There's the hallucination theory. This is interesting, too. The, the disciples were just so weary, so you know, perplexed that Jesus was crucified and buried, that they hallucinated everything else. He did not raise, was raised from the dead. Uh, he was not seen at any time, and they weren't even at his ascension because there was never any ascension. He was still in the grave. They just hallucinated the whole thing so that people would believe what he said. There's a lot of problems with that theory, too. There are those that believe that the women went to the wrong grave. They forgot where Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus put Jesus. And so they went to the wrong grave. It was a grave that nobody had ever been put in and the stone was not over it. And so Jesus wasn't there. My goodness. And that's just a few of the theories. There's tons more. It's interesting. A dead God, in my opinion, hope it's yours, can't do anyone any good. 
And there are a lot of religions that worship dead gods. For Jesus to do what he came to earth to do, not only did he have to die, but he had to rise. You see, this was the plan of salvation. This is the only way it works. It's, it, it does you no good to believe the first part, that Jesus was crucified and dead and buried without believing the latter, that he is risen. And we serve a risen Savior. That is why he can do everything that he does. It is why he came, so that his life, death, and resurrection would be for the atonement for the sins of the world. He is alive. He's alive. This morning, I want us to look a little bit at um, the followers. And this story tells us what happened that morning. As you look at the other accounts in the Synoptic Gospels, they give an account of what happened that, that morning. But evidently, they did not believe what Jesus had told them about his resurrection. Certainly, Friday and Saturday for his followers were hard on them. Certainly, there was anxiety and despair. And what had Jesus taught them about his death and resurrection? What he had taught them, they were not thinking, they were not registering. It was not just coming to them, understanding, as John says, they just did not understand yet what was taking place. We read the Gospels and we see that the women are the first ones that are, are heading to the tomb that first Easter morning, that Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Mary, the mother of James, Salome, and Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene was the first one to arrive at the, the tomb. If you look at the synoptics and, and John's Gospel, if you look at these four accounts, you would say, well, it, it seems a little off in some way, but it's really not. It's really not. As these women come from their home, these are the women that were going to the tomb. Mary arrives first and finds that the tomb is open. The stone's been rolled away. She looks inside, and Jesus is not there. And the very first thing she does is run and tell, tells Peter and John. It is so, I've always thought it was very interesting how John writes this uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because he refers to himself not as Peter and John ran to the tomb, it's Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. And the disciple that, Peter, that Jesus loved outran Peter to the tomb. He's, I'm faster. <laughs> It's interesting, though, he gets there and he looks in, and he doesn't go in. Peter just, right by him, goes right in the tomb. He doesn't even stop. He's, he's headstrong, he's gone, he's in. And they see the grave close. And John tells us that they leave the tomb and they go back to their homes. So how does this mesh with the other accounts as we think about this Easter morning and the empty tomb and we proclaim that Jesus is alive? Well, Mary went to tell them they ran to the tomb. The 
Other women arrive at the tomb, and the two angels tell them, Who are you looking for? He is not here. He is risen. As Mary Magdalene is coming back to the tomb, she doesn't cross paths with the two disciples that were there and saw what they saw, the linen wrappings as if the body had come through, just laying loose and with the head cloth being folded up. By the way, think about that. If, if, if Jesus' body had been taken, if it had been stolen by robbers, do you think they would have left the grave cloths there? These are expensive cloths. Would they have left them? Would they have took time to fold up the head cloth if they were stealing the body? Besides, there were guards that were knocked unconscious, they would have been fearful that maybe one of them would have woken up and gotten them. Mary comes back to the tomb, John tells us. The others have left, and it is here that she is weeping. But the two angels are still here. They're still in the tomb, one at the head and one at the feet, and she looks in, and she hears them ask, why are you weeping? If you will tell me where his body is. And she noticed that there is someone outside the tomb there in the garden. And John tells us right away it's Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. It could be because of her tears. It could be that she even never looked up to see who was standing there, just noticing that there was someone there and asking the question, if you've taken my Lord, tell me where he's at and I will go get his body. It's interesting that Jesus prefaces her statement with exactly the same words of the angels. Woman, why are you weeping? But it's when Jesus says to her, Mary, Mary, that she recognizes him. The others had not yet believed. They should have believed, right? Now Jesus had told him, told all of them, that he would rise on the third day. That on the third day he would rise. Look at Luke 9, 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised up on the third day. I think Jesus was pretty clear. I don't think there's any ambiguity here. I think he was very clear in what he was sharing with his disciples as he was teaching them. But they didn't remember, at least not right now, not on the first day of the week, not when the stone was rolled away and Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, I think that there should have been a crowd there. I think that at least the 120 that were in the upper room at Pentecost would have been there. Think about what Matthew says. So, 
Matthew tells us there were some that had heard what he said, and they somewhat were concerned that it could be true. And this is the oddest of people to say this. Matthew 27, 62 and 63 says, Now on the next day, the day of prep, after, after preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. The Pharisees are telling Pilate, we heard him say he's going to rise on the third day. What does Pilate do? He sends guards to the tomb to guard it so that the body couldn't be taken, call, you know, where the, the stone couldn't be rolled away, even put his seal on it. The Pharisees remembered what Jesus said. The Old Testament prophesied about it. Jesus taught about it. And so you would think that there would be more than three women that would go to the grave that morning and their expectations at that grave was Jesus would still be there and still be dead. Mark tells us the disciples, the followers, did not believe. Mark 16, 10 through 14 says, She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, listen to what Mark says. They refused to believe it. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe he was alive. After this, he appeared in a different form to two who were walking along the road in the country. And we know this is the walk to Emmaus, the two that were going home after the Passover, Cleopas and probably his wife going home. And it says that Mark tells us that they went away and reported to the others. In other words, they left after Jesus had exited from the meal. Their eyes had been opened, and the walk to Emmaus says as he broke bread with them, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And they immediately that night went back to Jerusalem to tell the others that they had seen the risen Lord. And listen to what Mark says. They went away and reported to the others, but they did not believe them either. They didn't believe that Jesus was raised. Still not believing. It was not until Jesus appears to them in the room as they had gathered. It is not until then that they see the risen Savior and they believe. It's interesting what Jesus does, though. Jesus rebukes their unbelief. Jesus rebukes their hardness of heart. He rebukes that they had come. They had been told by those who had seen him that he was risen, and he rebukes them. It is easy for us to sit around and condemn them and say, oh, I would have been different. How many times in our own life have we not believed either? You say, whoa, wait a minute, Marty. Are you accusing me of not believing in the resurrection? 
I'm not doing that. But think about it this way. I think sometimes we don't believe what Jesus said. He's, he's given us his word. He's given us the Bible. He's given us understanding on how to live our lives. And sometimes we don't believe that. Let me give you an example. You pray that God would answer my prayer. And when God doesn't answer your prayer just like you want him to, we doubt. We say, oh, then he doesn't answer any prayers. We don't believe that he is who he said he was, present with us. We don't believe that Jesus is walking with us many times when life gets tough, when valleys are deep, when relationships are difficult. We don't believe. And Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, rebukes us. Because what he wants us to do is to believe not only that the tomb is empty, but that he is with us. Regardless of what this world throws at us, that he is with us. You see, he's alive. And if he's alive, he has, will, do exactly what he said he would do. Regardless of the situation that we face, and there are difficult, gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching situations, life and death situations that we find ourselves in, and Jesus says, I'm alive. I'm still here. I still can do everything that I said that I would do. And I will walk with you. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was a, was a divine affirmation of his atonement accomplished at the cross. When Jesus, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he, he declared that the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sins, was an accepted payment for him. In other words, it was paid in full by Jesus. Thanks be to God. Completely satisfying the demands of his holy justice. Paul wrote this in Romans 4.25. He was delivered over because of our transgressions, and was raised because of our justification. The resurrection also demonstrated that where sin is atoned for, death is conquered and eternal life is given. Jesus conquered death, and we can too. Thanks be to God, in this fallen world, as we face all that is against us, we know that ultimately, in death we have life. In death we have eternal life. And until that day, either when God calls us home or comes and gathers his elect, the saints, until that day we walk with the living Savior, for he is alive. Folks, it is impossible to believe in Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus that was raised from the dead, without believing in bodily resurrection. To reject his resurrection is to invent something else, someone else, some pseudo-Christ of your own imagination. It is to call God a liar to say that Jesus was not raised 
We call God a liar by refusing to believe his testimony concerning Jesus in Scripture. Romans 1.4 says, He who declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead, God announced that he raised his Son from the dead. Those who reject the resurrection of Jesus remain outside the sphere of salvation. Paul puts it very clearly in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and listen and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's clear. There's, there's nothing ambiguous here. There's everything in this verse you confess Jesus Lord you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved Jesus himself offered truths to his resurrection the addresses of these scriptures will be on the screen but because of their length I didn't put the scripture up there. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says about his own resurrection. And this is just a couple. I've already shared a few of them earlier. But in Matthew 12, 38 through 40, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for signs, and yet no sign will be given to it. But the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus testified to his own death and resurrection. John 2, 18 through 22, the Jews had said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority to do these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. The Jews said to them, It took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? And then listen to what John says in 21 and 22. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead... The disciples remembered that he had said this, and we know that it was not until they saw him and ultimately as they worshipped and walked with him after he appeared to them. They believed the scripture. They believed the word that Jesus had spoken to them. To deny Christ's resurrection is nothing more than to call Christ a liar, for he shared with us the truth. To deny that he is alive lies in the face of the gospel. There is no gospel to proclaim if Jesus is still in the tomb, if he is still dead. He is alive. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. In other words, why in the world would you proclaim the gospel that Jesus can conquer death and you can have life in his name if he is a dead God? 
The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus made ten specific appearances after his resurrection, during the 40 days before his ascension. During that time, more than 500 saw Jesus alive. Let me ask you a question. If 500 people come and tell you exactly the same thing, are you going to believe them? See, my guess is if maybe 25 come to you and tell you exactly the same event happened, you're going to believe that that event happened. How about 50 or 100? You're going to say, yes, I believe. 500 witnesses to the resurrected Christ. He's alive. He's alive. I want you to see one more thing in this text before we finish, and that is when they believed, they wanted to be close to Jesus. The more we believe in him, the more our lives reflect that we believe his words and we desire, we have a desire to be close to him. Mary is there and she sees Jesus and she believes that he is Jesus and she clings to him. She wants to be close to him. She grabs hold of him and in fact Jesus says, stop clinging, I haven't been raised yet. But we know that Thomas touches him. We know that at the Sea of Galilee, when they're together, he is feeding them. They are eating breakfast together. There is that closeness that takes place. It's a natural response to us that believe that the tomb was empty, that Jesus is alive. He is our Savior. And the closer that we can walk with him, the better. As you believe, as you begin to trust Trust becomes stronger in you. When you begin to trust, you begin to obey. And when you begin to obey, that closeness of Christ with you and in you begins to fill the, fill the void that this world wants you to have. The world wants us void of anything when it comes to Christ. John 20, 31 says, But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And this life that John is talking about, the life is life with Christ. It is fellowship with Christ. It is closeness with Christ, both now and for eternity. We have eternal life because of what Christ has done. Thanks be to God. So what do we do with this knowledge? When we believe he's alive, we are told to do something. What are we going to do with it? The disciples were told to go and tell others. Look, it's on the screen, verses Luke 24, 46 through 48. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Again, another scripture testifying to this event 
and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And then he says, you are witnesses of these things. Did you notice the three necessaries that happen in this Luke passage? Christ had to die. Christ had to rise. And then the gospel was to be preached to all nations. And Jesus says, and you are my witnesses. How are we doing? You see, the first two necessaries in this text, they're on God. They're not on us. Jesus died. Jesus was raised. This is a God thing. We, we are to believe, but God was the one doing. That was his job. The, the third necessity here is our job, what we are to do, and that is be his witnesses. Matthew tells us the same thing. Go, or as you are going, be witnesses. You would think that we as believers would want to proclaim the tomb is empty and that he is alive. You would think as believers that we would want to share the good news with those who have, have not heard the news that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is alive. You would think that we would want to proclaim too often we don't. Somebody else's job. Someone else would do it. Not comfortable with it. But we are responsible to be the messengers of the gospel. What are you going to do with the belief that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive, and how will you share it? Only you can answer that question. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you that the tomb was empty. I believe. I thank you, Father, for his life, death, and resurrection, and that by belief, I have the indwelling Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to lead me and guide me and convict me. And so, Father, we... Thank you for Christ. And so this morning on this Easter Sunday, again as we celebrate the resurrection, as we celebrate what you have done and that the fact of your death on Friday and the resurrection on Sunday, that you have fulfilled all redemption, that your story of redemption is complete in Jesus Christ for us, always and forever. Amen. We thank you, and I pray, Father, that your Son has challenged us and that we would live into that challenge of sharing the good news of the gospel with others. For we live in a lost world, a world that is hurting, a world who needs to hear Jesus. He's alive. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.